you to turn with me this morning to two places. Let's go first of all to Luke's Gospel, chapter 2. And also go ahead and look up Romans chapter 5. Go ahead and look both of those up. Luke's Gospel, chapter 2. Romans chapter 5. Thank you, Lord. Luke's Gospel, chapter 2, Romans chapter 5. I want to begin reading with verse 7. This is the story that you've all heard since you were a little kid. Of the angels of God appearing to the shepherds. Verse 2, talking about Mary, said, She brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night, flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you glad, good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. I want to back up here for just a moment. Verse 10 says, And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. Take note of that last phrase. It says, Which shall be to all people. Verse 11 says, For unto you. Take note of that. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Take note of that. Unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Take note of that phrase. Unto all people, unto you, peace, goodwill toward men. It has rightly been observed for hundreds of years that one of the things that makes Christianity distinct and unique from any other religion on this planet is the fact that every other religion is man's attempt to reach out to God. Man trying to find God. Man trying to discover God. Man trying to, to please God in some way. 
But Christianity is very unique in the fact that it, it's not, Christianity is not man reaching out to God, but it's God reaching out to man. Unto you, toward all men, to all people. Now, we are corporately, there is a corporate element uh, to being a Christian. We are the body of Christ. But at the same time, when I was reading this the other day, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior which is Christ the Lord. Christianity does have a corporate element about it, but at the same time, Christianity boils down to a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Unto you, unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior which is Christ the Lord. I want you to make that personal. Unto you is born this day. Not something that happened 2,000 years ago, but, but unto you. And again in verse 14, the angel, Jesus, Jesus has been born, and this, the angel of God announces from the very beginning His mission and His purpose. First of all, it is to bring glory to God in the highest And secondly, on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Goodwill toward men. Unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior which is Christ the Lord. Now this has many times, verse 14, it has been misinterpreted. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Please take note of the fact it does not say peace, goodwill among men. It's very important. Because sometimes it has been wrongly taught and wrongly preached that Jesus came so that we could all get along. Jesus came so that we could all be at peace with one another. And in fact, he contradicted that in talking to the disciples in Matthew 10, 34-36. Jesus said this, He said, Think not that I am come to send peace on earth. (laughs) I came not to send peace, but a sword. For I am come to set a man at variance against his father, and the daughter against her mother, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. So if you got trouble with your mother-in-law, that's scriptural. The daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Verse 36, And a man's foes shall be they of his own household. Now, Jesus, So Jesus didn't come to bring peace among men. Now there's going to come a time when He comes back to rule and reign, there will be peace among men. Isaiah 9, 7, Isaiah prophesied of it. He said, Of the increase of His government and peace... There shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. There is coming a time when he comes to rule and to reign when there will be peace among men. But what he says here is that he came to bring peace on earth, goodwill toward men. 
In other words, Jesus did not come so that we could all get along. Jesus came to establish peace between us and God. Between God and man. Jesus came to bridge the gap that was created because of Adam's failure. Jesus came to bridge the gap that was created because of sin. Isaiah prophesied about that gap in Isaiah 59, 1 and 2. He said, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither His ear heavy that it cannot hear. God is not the problem. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid His face from you that He will not hear. Jesus came to rectify that. Jesus came to correct that. Jesus came to bridge the gap between God and man. Jesus came to establish peace between God and man. And the way that He did that, Jesus came into this earth and established peace between God and man by making available the righteousness of God. That's very important. You all know this scripture. We've been talking about the righteousness of God. 2 Corinthians 5.21 33 and a half years later after those angels showed up for those sh- to those shepherds and appeared to those shepherds. 33 and a half years later, Jesus hung on that cross and in 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For He hath made Him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. So we've been talking about the righteousness of God. Jesus' mission in coming to this earth, the reason we are celebrating the birth of the Lord Jesus, is because He came to establish righteousness and He came to establish peace between God and man. Now this is a side thought. I've shared this with you before. I didn't bring the, the documentation this year. Uh, but I, I've shared with you the fact that this event of the, the angels showing up in the, to the shepherds and all that probably occurred sometime at the end of September. That time of year. And I shared with you the fact that in the first, the early days of the church, probably about the first 200 years of the church, they had a celebration that they celebrated at the end of September every year called Michael Mass. And the celebration of Michael Mass was done as a celebration of the angels appearing to the shepherds. Well, the angels appeared to the shepherds the night Jesus was born. There is unto you this day in the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. So, uh, more than likely, Jesus was probably born in September, at the end of September. And Bible scholars have looked at this, and they've looked at calendars, and they've come to the conclusion, why do we celebrate Christmas on December 25th? It's not so that we could our holidays could coincide with paganism. That's not the reason reason we celebrate Christmas on December 25th is that if you back the calendar up nine months from when Jesus was born, guess when the angel appeared to Mary? December 25th. So Christmas in reality was when the angel Gabriel appeared to Mary 
and said, That holy thing that shall be conceived on the inside of you is of the Holy Spirit. Uh, we Actually, December 25th was the moment Jesus was conceived. But it doesn't make any difference. As far as God was concerned, from the moment He was conceived, it was a done deal. We talked in the Bible study at Kerrville the fact that life begins at conception. The Word of God teaches that. Okay? So that's kind of a side thought, but... Uh, the fact is, the angels appeared and we, uh, we celebrate the birth of Jesus. Doesn't matter if it's the middle of September or end of September or December 25th, the fact that we just celebrate. And again, He came to establish peace. He came to bring about righteousness. I've given you the definition of righteousness. Let me just share it with you again, particularly if you're taking notes. Righteousness is the ability to stand in the presence of a holy God without guilt, without fear, and without condemnation. The word righteousness itself literally means to be in right standing with, to be rightly related to somebody. And to be the righteousness of God, or as we just read in 2 Corinthians 5, to be made the righteousness of God means that we are put in a position where we're right with God. God and, God and us are cool. We have peace with God. We're going to get into that in more detail. I want you to realize that God is not angry with you. God is not upset with anybody. And I also want you to realize that righteousness is a free gift. You can't do anything to earn the righteousness of God. You can't do anything to make yourself more righteous. The only thing you can do is receive the righteousness that Jesus has already provided. Okay? Now, people get a couple of things mixed up. Uh, righteousness is a free gift. So is our sanctification or our holiness. But holiness is something that we walk out. Holiness does have to do with our conduct. But righteousness is our position and our standing with the Father that is the result of Jesus coming and Jesus' sacrifice. Look at Romans chapter 5. I want you to realize once again, righteousness is a free gift. It's vital that you understand that. That's one of the reasons that we give gifts at Christmas. And righteousness is a gift. And we're going to learn how to unwrap it and use it and walk in it this morning. Romans chapter 5 verse 17 says, For if by one man's offense, that's talking about Adam, if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of one, talking about Adam, judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one, talking about Jesus, the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. 
And I've shared with you before that when you come across that word justification, it's the exact same Greek word translated righteousness. So when you find the word justify, justification, it's talking about righteousness. Listen to these verses out of the Amplified. Look at ver- listen to verse 17 and 18. So if, for if because of one man's trespass, lapse, and offense, death reigned through that one, much more surely will those who receive God's overflowing grace, unmerited favor, and the free gift of righteousness, putting them into right standing with Himself. <laughs> I like that. Putting him into right standing with himself, reign as kings in life through the one man, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. Well then, as one man's treason, one man's false step and falling away led to condemnation for all men, so one man's act of righteousness leads to acquittal and right standing with God and life for all men. I like that. Jesus came to bring peace with God by introducing and making available the righteousness of God. We have all been taught that God the Father gave Jesus as a gift. And that's true. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. The Father gave Jesus as a gift. But you know what? The son turned around and gave another gift. And the gift that he gave is the gift of righteousness. And unfortunately, there are many people that receive the gift of the Father. They receive Jesus as their Lord and their Savior, but they never receive the gift of Jesus, which is the gift of righteousness. And it's vital that we do that. Very important. Back up to Romans chapter 3 for just a moment. Romans chapter 3. In Romans chapter 3, the Apostle Paul has been talking about righteousness through the law. He's been talking about the fact that righteousness through the law is unattainable. Because at the end of verse 20, he said, For by the law, or trying to keep the Ten Commandments is the knowledge of sin. The harder you try to keep the law, the more difficult it will become. But he goes on to say in verse 21, says, But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifest, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, or being witnessed by the Old Testament. Verse 22, Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, Unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. Now I want you to take note in verse 22. This is going to be the springboard for where we're going this morning. Verse 22, he said, Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ. Notice those two different things. Unto all and upon all. It is unto all that believe. If you have received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then the righteousness of God is unto you. That gift has been given. That gift has been made available. 
It is unto all them that believe, but I also want you to note that it is also upon all. Take note of those two different phrases. When it says that righteousness is unto all, it's talking about God's part of our righteousness. And He's made that righteousness available unto you is given this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. The gift of righteousness has been given. God has done His part. But when it says upon all, it is referring to our part of receiving that righteousness. It's not enough that the Father has given it. It has to be received. And in a, in a week, a week from today, in fact, we're going to be celebrating the birth of Jesus. And everybody's going to be opening presents. Everybody's going to be giving and receiving gifts. Well, Jesus has given the gift of righteousness. And when you go into the Scripture, the Scripture compares righteousness to a coat or a robe or a covering. Let me just give you a couple of scriptures on that. Job 29:14. Job said, "I put on righteousness and it clothed me. My judgment was as a robe and a diadem." Again in Isaiah 61:10. Isaiah prophesies, he said, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God. For He has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decketh himself with ornaments, and as a bride adorneth herself with her jewels. Righteousness is compared to a covering for men and women. Male or, there is no male or female in Christ Jesus. We are all equally the righteousness of God. That covering, that clothing has been made available to us. Now let me illustrate it this way. Christmas is coming up. Let's say I bought you a coat for Christmas. Nice coat. Mink, you can make it. Actually, what I had in my mind was a, was a full length leather. No. Okay. Mink. <laughs> mink cuffs, mink cuffs, and what? All right. How much would that run? Huh? How much would that run? Five thousand? Okay. Five thousand. Let's say I went to Walmart and bought you <laughs> and bought you a five thousand dollar making leather coat. <laughs> and I take it home and I wrap it up and I put it in a pretty box and I wrap it and I put a ribbon on it. And come Christmas, I give you the gift. And you pull the ribbon off and you open the box. And you are so thrilled with your new coat. Oh, I love my new coat. It's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my life. You even try it on. Fits perfectly. Oh, this is, oh, this is wonderful. Oh, I just love my coat. So then you take your coat 
and you put it in the closet and you just love your coat. And every now and then you even go to the closet and open the door and look at your coat. Even pull it off the hanger and look at it and put it on and then put it back in the closet. You don't want anything to happen to it. Had moth holes in it. Phil, you ruined my you ruined my illustration last time with the roadkill. Okay. But now let's say a few days later, I pull up to the post office and the temperature has dropped down to zero and it's cold. And I get out at the post office. And at the time I go into the post office, you're coming out. And when you're coming out, you're wearing this ratty old coat that you bought for $3 at the Goodwill. And I say to you, why are you wearing that old ragged, nasty coat that you got at the Goodwill? I paid $5,000 for you a new coat. What are you doing wearing that piece of junk around town? Well, that coat is just too nice for this weather. What are you moron? What do you think I bought it for? Too nice for this weather? I bought it so you could keep warm and you wearing that old rag. That was like the other day. <laughs> the other day. It, it was cold. I had my jacket on and, and I went up to the post office. Other people were bundled up. And I was going into the post office and when I was going in, Wayne Carlisle came be bopping out in a t-shirt. And yeah, Wayne would. I said, Wayne, what you do, man? What you doing without a coat on? You go home and get a coat on. He just laughed. He said, Oh, I'm so busy. I don't even know I'm cold. <laughs> but now, if I'd paid five thousand dollars and bought Wayne that new coat, and he came out in his t-shirt, I'd have been insulted. After I went to all the trouble, all the expense, all the hassle of getting him that coat, and then he comes out of the post office in a t-shirt in freezing weather, I would have been insulted. Well, listen. If I would have been insulted over a $5,000 coat, what kind of a slap in the face do you think it is to Jesus of Nazareth when you won't wear that robe of righteousness, when you won't wear that coat of righteousness and begin to declare before God, begin to declare before the angels, begin to declare before men, I am the righteousness of God. Instead of wearing that robe of righteousness, you will wear your old ratty sinner coat. Oh, I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. No, you're not. You were an old sinner. You got saved by grace. Throw that coat down and put on the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Receive the gift. 
Receive the gift of righteousness that He has provided. Put on that coat of righteousness. Put on that robe of righteousness. Hallelujah. It's better better than any mink you'll ever put on. In fact, if you learn to wear that robe of righteousness, it'll bring the mink. Oh, I never heard that. Well, you ought to read the book of Proverbs. The Word says, Wealth and riches will be in the house of the righteous. Hallelujah. Put on the robe of righteousness. Begin to wear it. Don't insult Jesus by declaring what you're not. You were a sinner. You got saved by grace. And He has made available His gift of righteousness. You are no longer a sinner. Get rid of those old sinner name tags. There are times you miss it. There are times you blow it. You, But you are no longer a sinner. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And if we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Put that robe back on and move forward. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, I want to talk to you about your coat. Talk to you about the characteristics of your coat. If I bought you a $5,000 coat, leather lined in mink, you put that coat on, that coat would have characteristics. You would feel the warmth. You would feel the softness of the mink. The softness of the leather. You would see the color. What color is the robe of righteousness? It is blood red. But then again, it's also white. It's been washed in blood. But you put on that coat and it has all kinds of characteristics. It makes you look good. You look a lot better in that coat than that old ratty thing you got from the Goodwill. Well, the same thing is true of the righteousness of God. The same thing is true of the righteousness of God. It has characteristics. I'm hot. Are y'all hot? I'm about to burn up. I could be the anointing. (laughs) Let's talk about some of the characteristics of that coat of righteousness. The first one we've already talked about, it's peace with God. You put on that robe of righteousness, the first thing it does is bring peace. Peace on earth. Goodwill toward men. You're right there in Romans 3. Look at Romans 5 for just a second. Romans 5, verse 1. Therefore being justified or made righteous by faith, we have peace with God. 
We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. There is a verse of Scripture. I forgot to put it in the screen. <clears throat> I, but let me just give it to you. It's Isaiah thirty-two seventeen. If you're making notes. Listen to this. Isaiah 32, 17 says, And the work of righteousness shall be peace. And the effect of righteousness, quietness and assurance forever. I like that. The work of righteousness shall be peace. And the effect of righteousness shall be quietness and assurance forever. First characteristic of that coat when you put it on and you begin to declare, I am the righteousness of God, is a sense of peace with God. You need to know that you have peace with God. Turn with me back to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Or actually, we looked at it on the screen. Go over to 2 Corinthians 5. Let's look at a couple of scriptures. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Verse 17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new, and all things are of God who has reconciled us to Himself by Jesus Christ. You've been reconciled to God. You have peace with God. But notice it goes on to say this, and has given to us the ministry. You want to know what the ministry is about? The ministry of reconciliation, to wit or to know that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto Himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech or beg you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, you be reconciled to God. God is not the problem. And he said here, we have been given the ministry, we have been given the word of reconciliation. Do you know what the gospel is? The gospel just very simply is this, God ain't mad anymore. God's not upset with you. For God so loved the world that He gave. He loves you. He is for you. He is not against you. But you'll never know that until you begin to wear the robe of righteousness. Somebody said, yeah, but I just, I just feel so guilty. I just feel so condemned. I foul things up so bad. That is not how God sees it. Look at Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1 verse 20. 
Well, verse 19, read into it. For it pleased the Father that in Him, in Jesus, should all fullness dwell. And having made peace through the blood of His cross, by Him to reconcile all things unto Himself. By Him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven, and you, unto you, is born this day in the city of David. And you, that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath He reconciled. The problem is not with God. God is not angry. God is not upset. The problem is in the way we think. And when we put on that robe of righteousness, we need to receive by faith... I have been reconciled to God and I am at peace with God and God is at peace with me. And whatever area, whatever element of condemnation that tries to come into your consciousness and into your thinking processes, I want you to realize it did not come from heaven. It did not come from God. For He has reconciled us And He has reconciled all things unto Himself. So as you put on that coat of righteousness, the first characteristic that I want you to be aware of is peace. The second characteristic that I want you to be aware of when you put on that coat of righteousness is the fact that there will be a sense of of the presence of God. When you begin to declare that you are the righteousness of God, it brings His presence. There's an interesting couple of verses in the Old Testament. Isaiah 50, uh, verses 8 and 9. This is very, very interesting. Verse 8 says, He is near that justifies me. Righteousness brings the presence of God. He is near that justifies me. Who will contend with me? Let us stand together. Who is mine adversary? Let him come near to me. Behold, the Lord God will help me. Who is he that shall condemn me? Lo, they all shall wax old as a garment. The moth shall eat them up. I like that. He is near who justifies me. You're right there in Colossians. Back up to Ephesians 2. Just a couple of doors back to the left. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 11. It says, Wherefore remember... You being in time past Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the uncircumcision in the flesh made by hands. That at that time, in times past, at that time you were without Christ. This was talking about when you were lost. When you didn't know Jesus. At that time you were without Christ being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. Strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Verse 13, but now, 
That was used to. This is now. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who sometime were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. You're made nigh Him. Righteousness is the ability to enter into the presence of a holy God without guilt, fear, or condemnation. And when you put on that robe of righteousness, it brings the presence of God. Now let me say this to you about the presence of God. Begin to practice the presence of God. This is an interesting exercise. Begin to practice the presence of God. Let me read this statement to you. This is a statement by a man by the name of A.W. Tozier. He said this, True faith carries with it the sense of a present God. I like that. True faith carries with it the sense of a present God. I like that. True faith carries with it the sense of a present God. All of us can look back and see where God has moved in our past, even in things that we didn't have any control over. And I, I know myself personally, I mean, the things that I had no control over. Uh, I was born six weeks premature. I had no control over that. Weighed two pounds when I was born. I fully recovered from that. Uh, weighed two pounds when I was born. So they, they put me in an incubator. And my folks had one or two options. He can, we can either put him in the incubator and he probably will go blind or... Uh, we can leave him out of the incubator and he will die. So he can live and be blind or he can die. So they put me in the incubator. Well, it, I did go blind. So I was blind and also being premature, my legs were underdeveloped. I, I wore braces the first few months of my life. I couldn't, I couldn't see and I couldn't walk. I had no control over that, but ta-da... God was moving, even over things I had no control over. And it really, it really got to me because Cindy and I were listening to the radio. Uh, this has been a few weeks ago. We were listening to the radio, and, and there was a guy on there, and he was talking. He said, he said he was born in the 1940s. I was born in 56. He was born in the 1940s. And he said, I was born premature. And he said, they put me in the incubator. And he said, it burned out my retinas. He was just, huh? The oxygen burned out his retinas. And when I went to the eye doctor back in January, I told him my story and he said, man, you dodged a bullet. Nah, it was God. I had nothing to do with it. Cindy and I have talked about many times in our lives how, how God's hand was on us 
individually, collectively bringing us together. And obviously in 35 years of ministry, uh, we can look back and we can see the hand of God on us and God bringing us through so much and so many things that we've walked through and dealt with through the years. Here's the interesting thing about it. I can look back and I can see the hand of God all the way through my life and many of you can too. You've got similar testimonies of how God moved in such supernatural ways. But I would venture to say that just like me, when you were going through it, you didn't feel God at all. Isn't that true? You can look back and you can see He was there, but man, when you were walking through it, it was like, God, where are you? Like that old song. What is it? He was there all the time. But I sure didn't feel it, not when I was walking through it. We can look back at our past and we can realize, we can see so many different areas, all of us. We can see so many different areas of our life that God brought us through so much and we give Him the credit and we give Him the glory for the things that He has brought brought us through. We can look at our future and we have the promise of the Word of God. We believe God is in our future, that He's mapping out our future, that our purpose, our plan, our destiny, our times are in His hands. We believe that. Where we have trouble is in this little parentheses between the past and the future that we call right now. (laughs) God, where are you now? He's still there. He's still here. And Dr. Or Dr. Tozier, in this thing that I was, was reading, he, he brought up a very interesting, um, very interesting thing. This is a good way to practice the presence of God. He said, you can look at your past and realize that God was there. You can look at your future and believe God is there. Believe that He has His future in your hand. But He said, do what? His hand. What did I say? His hand. His hand. But He said it would do you good to close your eyes and realize that the presence of God is like a river that flows through time. And the God who was there in the past and the God who will be there in the future is still right there in your now. And you're standing in the middle of the river. And received by faith. You are with me. You are with me. Whether I can feel it or not. You are with me. Your presence is with me. It takes an act of faith. And when you put on that robe of righteousness, you begin to practice the presence of God. Let me show you something. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1.
Uh, did I say Hebrews 1? Hebrews 11, I'm sorry. Hebrews 11 ones where we're going. <clears throat> Hebrews 11 one. The classic scripture on faith. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith... So what time frame are we talking about? Now. I can have faith that God moved in my past. I can have faith that He'll move in my future. But true faith carries a sense of the God who is present. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. Take note of that word substance. Substance. That word substance in the Greek is hupostasis. If you're making notes, H-U-P-O-S-T-A-S-I-S. I'm doing this from memory. I hope I got it right. H-U-P-O-S-T-A-S-I-S. Hupostasis. The word hupostasis in the Greek literally means an undergirding. An undergirding. This word, hypostasis, uh, conveys a concept or a characteristic of faith that's very important. That word, hypostasis, is a connector. It connects like glue. It binds something together. Faith is the substance, is the connecting element. Faith is the glue of things hoped for. In theology, there is a word that's used um, talking about Jesus being both human and divine. It's called the hypostatic union. The joining together of the human and the divine. In the hypostatic union. Union And the thing that joins the human and the divine together is faith. And it joins the human and the divine together by faith now. Now faith is. So we reach out by faith and we connect to divinity. We connect to God by faith. You are with me. And we could go into this in great detail, but let me just give you a couple of scriptures. Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. And if you study the life and ministry of Jesus, we may get into this later, Jesus walked by faith that the presence of the Father was on him. You know why they got so ticked off at Nazareth? When he went to preach there. Because he stood up. He quoted Luke chapter 4. And he got through. Or he quoted Isaiah 61. We got it recorded in Luke 4. When he said the spirit of the Lord is on me. Because he's anointed me. And so on and so forth. He went all the way through that. Closed the book. Gave it again to the minister. And sat down. The eyes of all them that were in the synagogue. Were fastened on them, on him. And, and he began to say unto them. This day. Is this scripture fulfilled. 
in your hearing. When he said today, made a man. Yes, we know God moved in the past and we know God will move in the future, but not today. Not today. Well, we sit here in the body of Christ 2,000 years later and say the same thing. Yes, God moved in in the ministry of Jesus, but not today. Someday He'll come back, but not today. But righteousness, when you put that robe of righteousness on, you receive the presence of God. God, you are with me. You're with me. Look at John chapter 16. John chapter 16. John chapter 16. Verse 32. Jesus is about to go to the cross. In verse 32, He says, Behold, the hour cometh, yea, is now, is now come, that you shall be scattered, every man to his own, and shall leave me alone. And yet, I am not alone, because the Father is with me. I like that. True faith carries with it a sense of the God who is present. Let me say it to you this way. True faith is never alone. True faith is never alone. It's an interesting thing. In Isaiah 51, 1 and 2 Isaiah said this, says, Hearken to me, ye that follow after righteousness. Ye that seek the Lord, look unto the rock whence you are hewn, and to the hole of the pit whence you are digged. Look unto Abraham your father, and unto Sarah your mother that bare you. For I called him alone, and blessed him, and increased him. When Abraham began to step into the righteousness of God, he stepped out of that place of being alone. For God was with him. He called him alone, but then in righteousness he blessed him and increased him. True faith is never alone. True faith is never lonely. We read in 1 Corinthians, uh, 5, or 2 Corinthians 5.21 that Jesus was made to be sent. The only time the Father left Him was when He was hanging on that cross and said, My God, my God, why hast Thou forsaken Me? He had to. He was being made sin. And the Father deserted Him for three days and three nights so that you and I would never, ever have to be deserted of the presence of the Father. Ever. He is with me. He is with me. Why? Because we wear that coat of righteousness. So when you put on that coat, number one, you'll have peace with God. Number two, you will be aware of the presence of God. Number three, you will be aware of the blessing of God. 
Look at Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4 and verse 3. For what saith the Scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifies or makes righteous the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness, even as David also describes the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without work, saying, Blessed! are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Verse 9, Cometh this blessedness then upon the circumcision or the Jewish people only, or upon the uncircumcision or Gentiles also? For we say that faith was was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness. I, I want you to see in those verses the fact that being righteous and being blessed are one and the same. To walk in righteousness is to walk in blessing. And you'll notice in verse 9, he said, Cometh this blessedness then upon, righteousness is unto all and upon all. Upon all is our receiving it. Upon all is us putting on the coat. And when we put on the coat, we are putting on the blessing. Cometh this blessedness upon us. Well, it comes upon us through the righteousness of God. Galatians 3, 13 and 14. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on us. On the Gentiles, through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. And we're celebrating Christmas. We're celebrating the birth of Jesus. And when the angel appeared to Jesus, or appeared to Mary and announced the birth of Jesus, he made an interesting statement. In Luke 1, 28, it says, And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail thou that art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. There's His presence. Blessed art thou among women. You start walking in the righteousness of God, His presence brings His blessing. In fact, the last statement Jesus made, well, no, that isn't it. I didn't put it in there, sorry. The last statement Jesus made to His disciples, Matthew twenty-eight twenty, He said, Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I am with you. And when Jesus came, it was the fulfillment of a prophecy of Isaiah, Matthew one twenty-three. I forgot to put that in there as well. But in Matthew one twenty three, 
It says, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. We're celebrating the fact that He has made Himself available. So, the blessing of, or the, the righteousness of God, you put on that coat of righteousness, it brings peace, it brings the presence of God. It brings the blessing of God. And here's the last one. It brings persecution. Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. Verse 10. said, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. When you start going around saying, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ, you are going to tick off a lot of religious-minded people. Did you know that? Brother Copeland tells the story. He said a man came to him. This has been 40 years ago. said a man came to him. He said, Brother Copeland, and he said, I've been listening to your tapes. He said, I have a revelation of the righteousness of God. He said, I began to declare that I was the righteousness of God, and they kicked me out of my church. (laughs) He said, said, before I started confessing the righteousness of God, he said, I was on the board. He said, I was on the deacon board of the church. He said, I was an alcoholic and a known wife-beater. But he still hadn't, they still had me on the board of the church. Why? Because the guy had a good credit rating. He said, they had me on the deacon board of that church uh, as, a, as a deacon, as leadership in that church, and I was an alcoholic and a known wife beater. He said, I, and he said, they all knew it and overlooked it. He said, then I found out that I was the righteousness of God. I began to declare that I was the righteousness of God, and they kicked me out in less than 90 days. <laughs> so you start declaring that you're the righteousness of God, it will bring persecution. You will rub religious-minded people the wrong way. But Jesus said there's a blessing in it. And let me just tell you, I heard T.D. Jake say this years ago, there are some blessings you'll never get till you're persecuted. Bless me, Lord. Bless me, Lord. Okay. There's some blessings you'll never get till you're persecuted. And when you start putting on that robe of righteousness and start declaring that you're the righteousness of God, they're going to do you the way Joseph's brothers did him. They didn't like Joseph to begin with, but do you know what really ticked them off? You know what the last straw was? The coat of many colors. And you start wearing your coat of righteousness, you're going to aggravate some people. 
Okay? But you know, God took that whole situation and turned it around, and what they meant for evil, God turned for good. Amen. How do you put on that coat? Romans chapter 10, and I'm done. Let's go over there. Again, you put on that coat of righteousness. It brings the pe- it brings peace with God. Well, obviously, if you have peace with God, you're going to have the peace of God. It brings peace with God. It brings the presence of God. It brings the blessing of God. It brings the persecution of men. Well, how do you put it on? Romans chapter 10, verse 6. But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise. Say not in thine heart who shall ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above, or who shall descend into the deep, that is to bring up Christ from the dead. Now what is the question that's being asked here? How do we get into the presence of God? Well, some people say, well, if only we could bring God down from above. That, that There's a particular segment of the body of Christ that they've developed a whole genre of worship based on trying to call God down. That bothers me. Come down, Lord Jesus, come down. Who shall ascend into heaven to bring Christ down from above? Who shall descend into the deep to bring Christ back up? He's saying all of those things are unnecessary. Verse 8, But what saith it? What does the righteousness which is by faith, what does it say? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. Exactly what Phil just said. If you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. That is not just the formula for getting born again. That is our way of life. If you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you shall be saved or delivered. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Lord Jesus, I receive your righteousness. And in receiving your righteousness, I receive your presence. You are with me. I wear your robe of righteousness. You came to this earth to make it available. The Father sent you as a gift and you have given righteousness as a gift to me and I receive it and I wear it by the words of my mouth and I declare that I am the righteousness of God. Matthew twelve thirty seven. Jesus said, By your words you shall be justified. Righteous. By your words you put on that coat. And by your words you'll be condemned. You can keep wearing that ratty old thing you got from the Salvation Army for $3. Or you can put on that robe of righteousness and wear it. And wear it in faith. Amen. I choose the robe. Amen.
Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before You. We thank You for sending Jesus. We, we enter into the holidays to celebrate the coming of Messiah to this earth. Your birth into this earth. And we receive that gift and we rejoice over that. But more than that, Lord Jesus, we receive the gift You came to provide. Peace on earth, goodwill toward men. We receive righteousness. We receive peace. We receive Your presence. We receive Your blessing. We receive and we're willing to endure whatever persecution comes our way for the sake of righteousness. But we put on that robe and we wear it. We wear it in faith. We wear it in love. We wear it in joy. In Jesus' name. Now, Father, as your people give as they bring their tithes and their offerings this morning, your word says that we are to be filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and the praise of God. And I thank you that in, in the giving that has been done and is being done this morning in Jesus' name, I thank you that you are multiplying back into the lives of your people the fruits of of righteousness, spirit, soul, body, socially, financially. Wealth and riches are in the house of the righteous. Father, we thank you for it. We receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.